Uh, you can turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter, chapter 1. We're going to start reading with verse 13. 1 Peter, chapter 1, we're going to start reading with verse 13. Uh, today happens to be Super Bowl Sunday for those of you who follow football. Anybody following football today? No football? Oh, we got one. Uh, uh, who, who are we rooting for today? The 49ers. I hear a lot of 49ers. Kansas City, we got some Kansas City, right? You're, yeah, they're, they're, from, they're from out there, so. Um, one of the things that uh, my son likes to do is watch all the talking before the game. Now, they all just say the same thing over and over again, but what, for whatever reason, he just uh, finds it fascinating. And we kind of look at uh, these players who reach that particular level, and it's uh, really interesting because they just, um, they devote their lives to doing what they do. You hear about the, the great quarterbacks who spend uh, time just nonstop studying film, studying defenses, learning the offense, all this kind of stuff. Like They just build their lives around this game that they love, and hopefully they reach like the level of a champion, right? <clears throat> well, we began a couple of weeks ago looking at this section of First Peter, and we were discussing how God is calling us to a way of life, something that we are supposed to build our lives around, that we are to be wholly devoted to Him and His way of doing things. We outlined a couple of things, and as we begin to read here, we'll remind ourselves of, of where we were, and then we want to take a step forward and add some things to it. So let's read with First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as gold or silver that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him... You believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so, with, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the glory of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, so here we are, we're talking about a way of life and how we are supposed to, uh, to build 
our life around God and his plans and his purposes and, and his ways. And so we want to live the holy life that God is calling us to. And we looked at the first half of this last time we read through it. And we saw a couple of things. That we were to set our hope on God and stay alert. We're to be prepared mentally for action, right? Remember we, we talked about the illustration of like hiking up your pants so that you're ready to go, that you're ready to move. Like we need to be engaged mentally and ready and alert to what God is doing. That we want to follow God's model for holiness. The scripture says, be holy in all you do because God is holy. And then we talked about living in a way that honors the sacrifice of Christ. He talks about living out our time on the earth as sojourners that we're just passing through, and then we conduct ourselves in a way that brings honor to him, right? Those, those were the three things that we covered in the first half of this. He adds two more commands in the second half, and that's what we're going to look at today as we talk about this overall view of a holy life. The first, half to, the first has to do with brotherly love. We are called to brotherly love, and we have been purified, the text says, for loving community. So let's read here. Now that you have purified yourself, this is verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. So this is the fourth command in this passage, and he tells them to love one another deeply. And there's this picture here of having been purified. We've purified our souls, is what the text said, our whole being, inside and out. It's, it's kind of like you we're reminded of, of what Jesus says, to not be like the Pharisees who just like wash the outside, but the inside is still uh, full of filth. And we can be tempted sometimes to live that way, right? Like, just I want to make sure I, I project a good image to other people. I want to present something nice and clean to other people, but inside we're just a mess and we're uh, full of anger or rage or bitterness or, or whatever, and it's, it's not supposed to be like that with us, that we are to be purified in our whole being. This word for pure can be um, morally pure. That's the idea here. We want to be just cleansed of all unrighteousness. It's also used in a context where like people would purify themselves ritually to come before God at the temple, right? So there's all these commands in the Old Testament as the people were to worship God. They were they were to wash and, and be clean ritually before they went into God's presence. And that's kind of the picture here is we are being set apart unto God. We are being dedicated to him and that we have rid ourselves, purified of ourselves of, of all the things that, um, that make us unclean. And we've done so, it says, by obeying the truth. We've come to an understanding of the truth of God's message that Jesus Christ has come to save us from our sins, that in our trespasses, in our sins, and all the wrongdoing, we were dead, we were separated from God, but now we have come to know the truth, we've become obedient to the truth, and now because of that, not only are we connected to God, but God says we are connected to a larger family, His family. We've been purified so that we have sincere love for each other. Now, there's two words for love here in this passage. One is we have sincere love for each other, and the other one is love one another deeply. Where it says we have sincere love for one another, that is the word for brotherly love. We get the, 
the city named Philadelphia. You may have heard of that. That is uh, brotherly love in, in Greek, right? The city of brotherly love. Well, that's the word here. It's this idea that we have this sense of, of family among God's people. We have a sense of connection and affection for one another, and that needs to be sincere. Our love for one another, what the text says, needs to be genuine and enthusiastic. So let's talk about the genuine part of that. First of all, the word is unhypocritical. Like, don't be a hypocrite in the way that we act in love toward one another. It's not pretending. It's not playing a part or putting on a show. Like, sometimes, again, we're tempted to just put on a, a smile and say, everything's great and I love you, and maybe inside I'm really angry with you, or maybe inside... Um, I really don't like what you did, and I'm not comfortable saying it. I'm just kind of like, there's this artificial harmony where I'm just pretending that's ever, that everything's okay. You ever done that? You ever done that with a friend or a coworker, or, the, or your spouse, or your brother, or your sister in your house? Inside, you're just bubbling and boiling. Outside, you're like, you having a good day, honey? Like, that's not how we're supposed to be, especially not as followers of Jesus, and not how we're supposed to be with one another as followers of Christ, that when we come into this community, we love one another genuinely. And one of the things that, that drives me nuts at home is my girls, my kids, they fight. But the girls especially, we'll, we'll hear them fighting. And it's like, okay, we better go break that up. Something's going on. And I go back there, I'm like, girl, stop it. And they go, oh, we're just playing a game. I was like, you guys weren't even real fighting? Like, no, we're just pretending to fight. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can't break up the real fights. Now I've got to break up pretend fights. Like, this is crazy. Um, but the, the picture here is that we're, when it comes to loving each other, we're not just playing a game. Like, we have real, sincere love. And he says that you have this brotherly love among you, so love one another deeply. And then he uses a different word for love. This is the agape word for love, agapao, and it means the giving of ourselves for the good of another person. And we, we see this when God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? This kind of love is a love that gives to see the best in other people. It's not looking for something in return. It's not trying to manipulate to get something out of someone so that we can feel good about ourselves or they can repay us for what we did or whatever, but it's genuine, I'm going to serve you because I want to see your best. And he says that you need to love each other this way and it needs to be a deep love. This means like fervent, like there's passion here. There's an enthusiasm here. It's not just, hey brother, how you doing? But it's like, no, I care about you and I want to know what's going on in your life because I want to help you. I want to see you worshiping God. I want to see you growing. I want to see you excelling. I want to see you full of the life that God has for you. Like, we should have that love for each other. It, it speaks to a passion, and it also speaks to a perseverance, that it doesn't just fade quickly. You know, we all have times where, like, we get really excited about something, and then as time passes, it's like, oh, who cares? But that's not the kind of love that we're to have for each other. It's, it's a love that endures. It's a love that ab abides. It's constant. And it comes from the heart. It comes from the core of who we are. And as God is working his love in us and we receive that love from him, we are sharing it with those around us. And this is really important because God calls us to a life that includes connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
He doesn't call us to an individualistic lifestyle where we have just total independence. But we are in a loving community as his church, as his family, where we have to rely on one another. We take care of one another. We like to have this idea, like there's this pride that, that um, wells up in me sometimes. It's like, I want to do it on my own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to everyone that I can make it. And just this, this rugged individualism that, that we have in our society. And that's not the picture here in the Bible. It's we are God's church. We are God's people together, collectively, and we are to live life with one another in love and community. So he's calling us then to love one another deeply in this, with this brotherly love. The second command that we see in this section is about spiritual growth. Let's outline some things here. Let's remind ourselves. Uh, let's see. Verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So he begins to talk about their, their journey in their spiritual life. He says that we've been made new through the Word of God, right? This idea of being born again, that there's this change that happens in us. There's this transformation where we are given new life through the Holy Spirit. We are made into a new person. Remember the, the scripture from Corinthians, is, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come, right? So the old way of life is, is gone. We have begun this new life with Christ, and it, it came not from something that was perishable, but it came from something that was going to last, and that is the living and enduring Word of God, the living and abiding Word of God. This is a, an interesting picture here because it, it's like God's Word is living. Now, the, the word for word here are like the sayings of God, the things that God tells us. It's not the normal word. Like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not, not describing necessarily the message of the gospel or Jesus himself, but just the things that God communicates to us. That's the picture here. We are made alive through those things. These things are living. They're not dead. They are active. They are effective. Like, God's promises, God's words to us will accomplish their purpose. They are powerful and effective, and they remain. That's what we need to understand from, from this passage. He's telling us that God's word has power to change us, that we were born again through it, and it will continually transform us. He makes this comparison. He says, people, they're like grass. Their glory, the, you know, the, the stature that they have, the status that they have, the, the power, the, the things that they accumulate, the things that we look at and go, wow, that's shiny, that's cool. Um, all that stuff will fail. It's temporary. And we see this, right, this comparison. Like we see the grass fade in the summer when the sun's beating down on it. We plant flower gardens, but they all just end up dead, at least everyone that I do. Um, all that stuff just ends up dead. Um, but, but God's word will not be like that. And that's the good news for us. Because we don't have to rely on ourselves or our glory, but
but we rely on the living and enduring Word of God. He made us new, and then he says that we need to be growing up in him. We set aside all evil attitudes and practices. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So malice is like just the bad things in us, our, our anger and our hatred, the evil that's inside of us. Deceit here speaks to craftiness and cunning. It's like um, taking advantage of people through trickery, through the way that you talk to them, right? You're like trying to get something out of them and manipulate them rather than doing something for their benefit, and you're deceiving them in the process. Hypocrisy, we already talked about. It's about fakeness and pretending. Like there's this public impression that we're uh, projecting, but it's not really what's happening inside of us. And then slander, he says, you need to get rid of that. Talking about, talking bad about other people. Envy, he says, looking at what other people have and being jealous about it. Notice that a lot of these things have to do with our relationships with other people. They're not just things that reside within us, um, but they affect how we treat other people. So, so love one another deeply and get rid of all these other things. And as he's calling them to spiritual growth, he tells them to seek out spiritual nourishment that enables them to grow up fully in the Lord. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, he says, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He uses this picture of a baby. And if you've been around babies, you know that babies want milk, right? Babies uh, are nourished. They grow by drinking milk. And the picture here is not a critique. There are other times, other passages in the New Testament where the author compares uh, the readers to babies and says, hey, you're acting like babies. You ought to have moved on by now. You need to grow up. That's not what's being communicated here. Uh, what he's simply saying is, think about this, this picture of an infant who needs to be nourished and how they crave that food. I want you to be like that. I want you to crave pure spiritual milk. I want you to desire it. It needs to be more than just, hey, I, I think I will read my Bible today or, hey, I think I'll pray today or whatever the case may be. It needs, it needs to be your life source. It needs to be what you're hungry for. It needs to be what you're thirsting for. And this pure spiritual milk needs to be uncontaminated. It's, it's not diluted. It's not mixed in with a whole bunch of other mumbo-jumbo and nonsense. It's, it's the pure word of God is what he's talking about here. This word for spiritual is related to the, um, the term for word. And it's the idea that you are craving the word of God. You were... Um, made new, you were born again through the Word, and you grow through the Word, that we are devoting ourselves, we are seeking out the Word of God so that we can grow up into the full measure of Christ, that we would become mature and take hold of the fullness of the salvation that He has for us. This relationship with God that we have is like any other human relationship that, that, that we experience. We've all had relationships that, that grow deeper over time, and you get to know someone 
better and better and better and you draw closer and closer. There's some relationships that you can just like just leave alone and they just kind of slowly fade apart. There are relationships that are just broken because two people refuse to love each other the way that God calls us to love. Our relationship with God could fall into any one of those categories. And the question is, we, are you going to pursue this relationship with God so that you grow into deeper communion with him? Or are you going to let it just stagnate and decline? There are riches of love and mercy and grace that God has for us if we continue to be open to spiritual growth in him. Do we want it? Do we crave it? Or are we just distracted by all the other things in life, by all the fun things that we could do, by all the stuff that we could have, by all the other relationships and entertainment and um, any other desires, work, whatever it may be? Am I just focused on that? Or do I really believe that God is my life source and I want to grow in my relationship with him that I might experience the life that is truly life? He tells them to do this, this crave this pure spiritual milk now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And there's a slight translation point here that I would like to make. It's not simply now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It is if you have tasted that the Lord is good. And he kind of leaves it open to them. And he's saying, have you? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Because if, if you have, then you'll know that you'll want more. Like, we experience this with food, right? Like, you ever eat something and it's like, man, this, this is awesome. We went to the bakery yesterday after William's basketball game, and uh, they were having pretzel day. Miller's Bake Shop down in Stewart Shaft. Margaret was working hard back in the back, twisting pretzels and whatever else she does. I don't know what you do there. But um, we went over and got pretzels. And um, I don't really like pretzels. I'm not like a... I don't know, something about pretzels. I don't like hard pretzels that come out of a bag. I generally don't like soft pretzels that you buy at a pretzel shop. Um, But I was like, I'm going to give it a chance to have some pretzels. But as we're waiting on pretzels, we're walking by all the other baked goods, and there were brownies. And in the refrigerator, there was, uh, for Valentine's Day, it was called a a sweetie pie. And it was um, a whoopie pie with, like, the cream cheese icing, chocolate, and cream cheese in the middle, raspberry, and then chocolate icing drizzled on top. And I thought, that looks a whole lot better than a pretzel. (laughs) So, of course, I I had to get that. And I'm sitting there eating my pretzel. And the pretzel was probably the best pretzel I've ever had. Good on the pretzel. I enjoyed the pretzel. But I couldn't wait to get to the whoopie pie. And then I'm, like, eating this whoopie pie. And I'm like, okay, Hannah, you got to have some. And I'm sharing with Liddy because she wants it. And the other kids, they're not getting my whoopie pie. But, um, (coughs) But anyway, like, It was good, and I wanted more of it, right? And that's the picture here. It's like when you experience the goodness of the Lord, you can't just leave it alone and go, well, that was good. I'll come back later for more. It's like I want more of who God is. I want more of his love. I want want to know him more. I want to see more about his uh, plans and purposes for the world and how he's reconciling all things to himself and how he's saving people. Like I'm craving that. And that's what he's saying here is if if you have tasted or if you've experienced the goodness of God, then go after more. Come back for more. We always want more of that life-giving love of Jesus. So here we are. We begin this section. We've made it through a chapter now of 1 Peter. We've looked at the 
the greeting, we've seen uh, a word of praise, and now we're getting into the meat. And he's basically saying, hey, since we've received God's mercy and we are recipients of salvation, I want you to live a holy life. There's a response. We not only receive, but now we have to respond. How is it, going, how is it that we are going to live? And, you know, as you're thinking about those, those football players tonight, as they're watching the game, think about the time and the energy and the effort, how they devote their entire lives to doing this, their diets, their exercise, their study, it's their work, it's just what they do. And I think, like, okay, they do that to make millions of dollars and play a game. That's cool. Like, God is offering me eternal life. All the glory of this Super Bowl, all the people who play, is going to wither. It's going to fall. It's fun in the moment, and it's exciting, and I'm not saying don't be excited, it's fun. But it's not going to last forever. It's not going to stand the test of time. But the word of the Lord stands forever, and he has promised us a living and eternal hope. We've been told that we have an eternal inheritance, and the question is, what am I going to build my life around? Is it going to be the things of God as he offers me this salvation and this eternal life. And he's calling me and says, therefore, be holy because I am holy. Set your hope on me. Remember the sacrifice of Christ as you live. And then we added these two today. Live in loving community with your brothers and sisters. I'm calling you not just to relationship with me, but I'm calling you into a family of people who are seeking me. I want you to love one another deeply. And I want you to grow day by day spiritually. Don't be stuck as a spiritual infant, but like an infant, crave milk, crave the Word of God, crave the things that will nourish your soul so that you can grow up into the full measure of Christ, that you will be completely mature in Him, that you will be able to stand on Him rather than being tossed around by the waves and the winds and, and all the crazy teaching that goes on. Pursue spiritual growth day in and day out so that you may ultimately take hold of the life that he has for you. This is the way of life that God is calling us to, a holy life, where we grow in deeper relationship with him every day. How is it that we are going to discipline ourselves and pursue him with all of our hearts? Would you pray with me today? Father God, I want to thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. Lord, we are grateful that we are called out as your people. And God, you have purchased us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would not take that for granted and that we would not forget it, Lord. But in all that we do, that we would bring glory to you, that we would follow your example and lead pure and holy lives. And God, I pray for this local church, this gathering of believers God, that our, that our love for one another would be passionate, that our love for one another would persevere, God, because you've called us to live in this community. And Lord, I pray that we might always grow in deeper relationship with you so that we could experience the full goodness of the Lord, not just simply a taste, but the fullness of your goodness in our lives. Grow us up in Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.